Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill, Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing office sitcoms. Yeah, well, I feel like sitcoms used to be set in offices. Now, we'll, we'll discuss, we'll certainly discuss whether that's true. But it, but it feels to me like um, that it, you used to see, well, actually in general, films and comedies and various other things that were set in offices a bit more. And I'm thinking of things like, um, think of films like Office Space. Um, yeah. And even the Matrix starts out being mm. set in an office. Mm. And you just used to see offices and and stuff, like people at work. Mm. And I feel like these days sitcoms are more about quirky people and um and you know groups of friends and stuff. That was my perception. I, I've subsequently done a little bit of research, and I and it turned out that may not be strictly true. But um, it, it, what can we infer from the things that comedies are about? Uh, about about uh, what you know society in general but also like the kinds of things we uh, find funny or are scared of or um you know are interested in that that's the question really T can we use sitcoms as evidence for a great for a great shift mm. in societal something or other and, and what can we infer from the fact that mrs brown's voice is still <laughs> bafflingly popular mm. well yes um but also so this this feels also a bit like that podcast we did on uh, authenticity. You know, what was on? Being yourself. Um, because there seems to be room for, there seems to be um, space for comedy within having to behave in a certain way. Who's going to go, who's going to pick this up and run with it for the moment? Yeah, I think, well, Nick has already challenged his data. I, I couldn't find any such trend about offices being a particular theme. In the limited research I could uh, I could achieve, but... What I found surprising was, well, not really surprising, actually. I can construct a sort of narrative that explains it, but um, f comedy classics, inverted commas, such as Friends, mm. still overwhelmingly popular. Mm. Um, in uh, When it was released on Netflix in 2018, it became the most watched TV show in, in that year. Um, did and it? It's, and it's, you know, uh, being, what, 20 odd years old or something? Yeah. It's pretty good going. Th getting I mean, on for 30, I think. Getting yeah. on, like, yeah. it's about 98, I think, maybe slightly earlier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that that was sort of surprising. But I, but I, but the, but what tre the trend I saw was comedy seems to be a sort of reflection of human, normal human values and things. It's like friends, it's about friends. Mm. And Friday night dinner, it's about sort of awkward things with your family, right. awkward times with your family. And, um, even Mrs. Brown's Boys is kind of about that, but what what I, I did see a, a bit of a sort of spike around around 2000, there was a big spike in what well, well there was seemed to be a bit of a, a trend for what I would call like um, character driven awkward comedy. So right, I'm curb your enthusiasm. And stuff. Curb your enthusiasm. Alan Partridge, The Office. Um, uh, were, were seemed to be quite popular around that time. Yeah, cringe comedy, I think. Cringe, it's called. Yeah, 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 cringe comedy, but very character, very, very, yeah, basic, but based around weird people, um, yeah, strange characters, yeah, rather yeah. than the Friends, which is just about friends being, you know, normalish people being funny. Um, uh, but yeah, 
one of the things I used to think about friends, normalish people. I sometimes used to think, watch that, yeah, Joey's really funny. <laughs> but if you had, if you met someone like that who was that stupid, you'd be <laughs> worried about them, mm. um, and they, they need some help or something. Um, anyway, yeah, I digress. I think someone has made these edits of um, <clears throat> like interactions in Friends where they've taken the laugh track out, and it's really sinister. Uh, particularly Ross, like so. There's some for some reason they picked on Ross, and like some of the things yeah. he says sound really psychopathic. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Um, well, I was I was just going to observe that um, Friends was the TV show that I loathed the most. Mm. Like I had a really passionate hatred of Friends based on not having watched very much of it. Yeah, I, I really say, like the theme tune. Okay. Th th I like the theme tune. I, 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 so that uh, sucked you in. But but. I'm pretty sure it was a hit before it was, before it was the theme check. So so I remember. I don't know whether that's a false. I'll memory, be there for you by the Rembrandts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but when with the psychopathic clapping. But but I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was like a a hit like a couple of years before. And that's it. Um, but there was something about this in it, that summed up that period of time that I hated at the time, which was this this collective group of people all, all happy all all happy falsely sort of socializing in this sort of early 20s way i just weird enough but not too weird toxic positivity toxic positivity. <laughs> exactly. and it was it was like the mobile phone adverts of the time where you had these you know was these that? groups no, that, well, or, well that yeah was was that. but 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 um but generally this sort of young people all all you know aimlessly hanging out and, and did, smiling. I did, just wanted to go... Did you hate it more than everything else that you hate? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, I I, 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 it, it was on in my big heap of things I hated, it was at the top. firmly at the top. Yeah, yeah, I think Peter just put that nicely that I yeah. would have wished. I think we're finding out more about yeah. you than friends. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, that was a digression, yeah. but, um, but I absolutely... You feel better now? It is probably the TV show that I hate the most from all of history. Oh my God. So that's, that's, that's in your room 101, you're forced to watch yes, Friends. Yes, first, first thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, well just while we're on Friends, I mean, I, I, I was very ambivalent about it. And I, I, everyone at university used to watch it and we used to watch it, I think it was on a Friday night or something. So we'd watch it before we went out. And it was sort of, I had partly Chris's reaction of these people are really unrealistically kind of positive and successful and like their lives are always interesting. Different things happen to them each week. They hang out in this, you know, the same place each week and they seem to have this kind of, th but at the same time, part of me found it slightly aspirational, mm. which I slightly hate myself for, but it, but it's true that I sort of thought actually this would be a really nice life. You know, they all go off to their jobs in, you know, nice in this in new york and then they all get back together in the evening so and they're really all nice neighbors. apartment yeah they've got the inexplicably amazing you know apartment in new york and mm. uh yeah so so i i i also had a strong reaction to it but it was it was ambivalent in my case um, <laughs> you were strongly ambivalent yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a bit, we both hated it both and guys. loved it yeah. simultaneously yeah um we could just go on to about friends for the next thing well I, do you want to hear about my data yeah. Okay. Always. So, so what I what I've what I went and did was, um, I got hold of the fifty, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the fifty best or most watched or something or other comedies mm. of all time. Mm. 
and they stretch from I Love Lucy in 1951 through to um, through to the, something called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in 2017, which I knew nothing about. I presume this is going to be heavily biased towards American Eng- English. Stuff, uh, it right? is I mean, to the extent yeah. that actually, disappointingly, instead of they don't have Steptoe and Son, they have Sanford and Son, mm. which is the American version. Mm. But I'm given to understand it was quite good. So what I did was go through all of them and classify them as to the setting. Because mm. that's what I was yeah, interested yeah, in Yeah, yeah, makes sense, yeah. And so my categories were um, friends, e.g. that w- e.g. that 70s show and, and the Big Band Theory and friends, yes. Um, family, which is obviously you've got all of your kind of Cosby show, um, you know, uh, a whole bunch of things all in the family, Mary Tyler Moore show, just various uh, various things from... Uh, from the olden days. Actually, that isn't about family. That was about her work. Dick Van Dyke show. Um, yeah, lots of lots of family family based. It's married with children back. on there. Uh, it isn't. It's not in the top oh, fifty. Okay. Um, work, work. The work. You're disappointed that another show that you hate is not on yeah. there. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, Nick. Uh, then also community. This is very niche, but there are a few in there which are based on kind of quirky villages and quirky towns mm. and people living in quirky towns and then there's a category I, I've, I've said is individual the setting is really the comedy setting is the person and that that includes um, Curb Your Enthusiasm mm. for example so uh, anyway what I did was look over time um, which categories these top con when spread out over time which categories do they fall into and um, found something quite intriguing mm. which was that actually I, I was partly correct that there was a boom in workplace uh, set comedies but actually um that was main that was actually the sort of late 70s and 80s when that was when the 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 workplace comedy was was uh top of the tree and that that includes um on the so, buses which i know is well not well what it is, pre- that, would, taxi? that would that would be included taxi are you being served mm. mash Faulty Towers, I included. Now, yeah, I think I think that's I legitimate. Think that uh, yes, Minister. Hello, hello. Again, but mm. I think fair enough. I know, I know. Um, e- even Cheers, I've included. I've counted as friends and work yeah. because it is actually technically the the sort of staff there. So, so um, yeah, the uh, a big bunch of them uh, about about workplace, but all in the sort of seventies and eighties. At which point the family-based comedy takes over. So, so eighties the 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 most the biggest genre was was family stuff, and that includes um, things of the time like like Cosby Show, Gary Shandling Show, Fresh um, Prince of Bel Roseanne. It would it would be included if I'd have, if I'd have, if it had been in the top fifty. But mm. also the Simpsons and um, mm. uh, and um, uh, sort of things like all all in the family and and yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them anyway about then. Uh, then we get the rise of friends-based comedies in the late 90s and 2000s, um, probably led by friends, but including um, including Seinfeld, um, uh, uh, that 70s show, Coupling, um, I've, ca- I've put Peep Show in this category, uh, and uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Big Bang Theory, a bunch of things about quirky people hanging out. Now... It's all got a bit messy. I was right in that, that in that there are definite trends, mm. but they weren't quite when I thought they were. Um, but what have we seen recently? Well, there's been a, I think, a rise, and it goes ties into what Peter was saying in individual based comedy centered around a funny person, um, but not very significant. 
and the other thing that's happened is actually workplace comedies have started to creep creep back in again mm. after being lying dormant um, for about the last 30 years. What does it tell us? I don't know. Let's let's throw some hypotheses around. Well, I'd I'd be interested to know whether sitcoms sitcom viewership has gone up or down because my sense is that sitcoms aren't quite the cohesive thing that they were, you know, in the way that everybody watched Friends in the 90s yeah. or whatever. I think they were much more um, definable in the yeah. past. And, yeah, and, and, and The Office, for example, everybody, you know, would have watched that on the... I mean, that's partly about how TV was delivered, but, but you know, people watched it at at the time and talked about it afterwards. And I I don't think sitcoms are as big as they were. I, I put that out there as a something I have no evidence for at the moment. But. <laughs> um, I, I, I was quite surprised by how unpopular relative to other things pop uh, comedies are. I, I looked, um, there's a great website called barb.co.uk which has got, um, seems to be a fairly authoritative data set of uh, UK viewing numbers um it has series as well as individual just one-off things like the coronations and those sorts of things grouped by year in big charts uh, so you could you could piece together quite a good data set from there um uh but the but in none of the sort of top what none of the top 10 the top 10s yeah i looked at the top 10s for the last de two decades and there was a, well, not a single comedy in any of the top tens. What's 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 so dominating what, the charts? Yeah, it was well, it was sort of one-off events like sporting events and. It's just TV viewer. I so I don't understand what the list is. Uh, so they well they they, they have top. Um, let me bring it up. So uh, it's a given sh given something that was aired on TV essentially yeah, anything. They, they do, yeah they do top top uh, so the data sets include top weekly top fifty shows. And you can you can pick uh, your date range, and you can get the uh, tables for. They also have uh, most watched thing. Most watched thing in any given year to the, the right. top. Uh, sorry, any any given year top ten. Um, and the, yeah, so the most watched things are dominated by sort of one-off sporting yeah. events. Is that makes know, sense? Like yeah. Olympics is and that sort of thing. But what you want is that consistent thing. What is consistently a sort of because otherwise you're just getting up throwing outliers in there. Mm. I, I, I've got much to teach you guys about data analysis. I can see. Yeah, thanks, but, um, um Peter, I, I feel I feel I've like I've pissed on your chips. I don't know. Have you led yourself down a cul-de-sac? <laughs> a little, a little bit. Yeah. So, well, just for example, like uh, 2022, top ten shows were Queen's Funeral. FIFA that was World hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. Laughing. <laughs> FIFA World Cup, Queen's Platinum Jubilee. FIFA World Cup, Wales, England. Um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Happy New Year live. UEFA Women's Euro 2020, England, Germany. Strictly Come Dancing, The King, Eurovision Song Contest. Okay, but actually I think that, I think there's something to be said there for, for the fact that the most watched shows are those events, right? Mm. Because one of the things about sitcoms, uh, as well as things like soap operas, for example, is that comfort, that that continual, um, the, the consistency, and that you stay with it for a long time. And maybe that's why people 
um, feel strongly about them, or am I making any kind of point here? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. There's a there's a there's a routine element. Uh, there are lots of things within sitcoms that that you know it's character based comedy, right? And you get the catchphrase very frequently in in um, uh, in comedy, and and that's. That's a that's a if you turn up and you watch one episode of it, you don't you don't know what the catchphrase is and you don't laugh. So there is there is an element which is uh, f- familiar f- familiarity, which is probably why the settings are things like uh, workplaces, families, um, groups of friends, because they're trying to mimic the environment in which you. Um, you know, you find yourself in, in, every in, day. in, in routine, routine circumstances. And so therefore, w- that'd be interesting to go back to our initial question is why might one kind be more prevalent for a bit than another? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the question is wh- whether, well, you could, it would be tempting, wouldn't it, to string together uh, the trends that I was, I, I was finding to say that, you know, people... Uh, w- work was much more important to people in the in the 70s and 80s that family became more important to people in the 80s and 90s and and friends became more important in the 90s and 2000s and then you could say well why is the why have comedies about individuals risen you know etc I, mm. I don't know if it's is our comedies are our sitcoms something where are, are we watching stuff that that is familiar to us now or is there an element of it which is about, if it is about familiarity, which is about a nostalgia for something? Like, do we actually want to watch things? So I, I sort of feel like one of the reasons there might have been lots of family-based sitcoms in the 80s was because there was a lot more anxiety about, you know, divorce rates and broken homes and those kinds of things in the 80s. That's when that really started to be a thing, you know? Um, when when people started to have you know c- to come from families well, traditional values started getting yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah um so i i don't i i feel like it could be a bit of both i mean it, what we've got to say is there's not really a lot of evidence this has got to be based on this kind of subjectivity here but because um you know it's frustratingly hard to to uh, actually do this kind of analysis also i mean obviously we're only through this viewing this through you know our anglo sort of lens mm. Um, and I'm sure other countries laugh at things as well. Um, and yeah, but other countries find things like you know Benny Hill and Normal Wisdom funny. Exactly. Um, so obviously we're we're talking about <coughs> yeah. Obviously we <laughs> English are far too superior <laughs> yeah. to be like yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, does China have sitcoms? A tradition of sitcoms? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not qualified to answer that. Yeah. And what about the Russians? Honest. What are they laughing at in terms? Of, I mean, and obviously, you know, it's what you laugh at, but also sitcoms particularly um, yeah i mean i did have a think about genres as well mm. and again i cannot there's no, no data set here we can mm. point at but i had this sense that what is go what's steady at the moment i i think anic anic sort of observational comedy stand-ups that kind of thing i feel like they're sort of going strong i mean i don't really pay attention to them anymore but they seem to be there mm. um then we but but I think also like sketch shows which which used to be much bigger when I was a kid but I think they just moved on to YouTube 
because there's loads of things on like YouTube and yeah. TikTok and stuff that you would class as a sketch. Mm. They might not look like a traditional sketch show. And I think uh, what is I feel like there's more cringe comedy these days. We mm. we touched on that, but uh, but but that there's also a lot more of this kind of topical stroke satire comedy. It's really come back. Such as um, oh, all of those panel shows where they where they yeah, do, yeah, do yeah, sort okay. of topical uh, gags about the news and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and um, but I feel like it, what is kind of um, on the wane would be sort of character based comedy. Um, improv was huge wasn't it i don't see very much improv these days um but and and then totally dead in the water would be sort of um you know things like traditional jokes one-liners uh the old Slapstick. 1970s yeah physical comedy prop comedy and very sadly ventriloquism all uh <laughs> all i think as as I comedy magicians genres. i'd like more magicians, magicians without them trying to be cool sort of yeah. edgy yeah yeah so so um you know, again, I'm really just observing. I don't have a clear. I think we mm. probably want to talk, think about what what makes comedies funny. Why, why we why yeah. we have I, these I, so what we're looking for. Yeah, go on, Peter. I'm going to throw in a slight a, a slight skeptical uh, hypothesis. I, I I'm not I'm not completely sold on the idea that there is some sort of cultural quality that's driving the popularity of given shows. I think there's more of a. I think there's a probably a, a pretty perverted, failed market. I think what happens is a particular show is new, has a novelty to it, and it gains notoriety and popularity, and then other other broadcasters will imitate it, and it'll yeah. ride it'll ride that wave of the first one. It's close enough, and it's funny enough that people like it, get on board. But then the next kind of genre or a re a reimagining re of an old genre comes along and take, dominates again so i can i can imagine i can imagine in in my hypothesis uh, a slapstick comedy there's a good one you know it's not mrs brown's boys there's a bit more cerebral to it but maybe a, sur a surreal slapstick suddenly being the new thing mm. bbc has one runs for a couple of series then ITV channel 4 and everybody else jumps on the wagon and they have their own mm. yeah uh, yeah um, it could be listen guys too much theorizing okay mm. um which as important as it is and as devoted to that as you know I am um I just want to the what I usually would reserve as a as a final question I kind I actually want to bring that forward and just sort of try and re-examine that so examine that pick that apart and to answer some of these questions right mm -hmm. so therefore um I've also got another backup final question, by the way. Um, really obvious one, favorite sitcom, okay? Let, let me, let's just do that. Let's something that you really like that's defined right. as a sitcom and that you like, and let's look into that. And also to see if there's any, you know, between us, there's any common stuff that you really like. Uh, who wants to kick off? Uh, so yeah, so, my, so mine's, um, I, you could say it's part sitcom, part, um, uh, what did I just say? Sketch show. Part sitcom, part sketch show. Uh, League, League of Gentlemen. Okay, right. so wait. Um, Nick? Faulty Towers. Chris? Well, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of sitcoms, I have to say. <laughs> so, so I have to go back to a time when, when I didn't mind sitcoms. <laughs> uh, so I would go for either The Young Ones or Red Dwarf. Uh, but I suspect they don't Red stand Dwarf, stand no. the test of time yeah. very good, well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good choices. Though. And also for me, faulty towers. That's what I wrote down. Um, so let's go into that. So yours, what, I've forgotten what you said. It was League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen. Brilliant. That, um, so how do we want to analyse this? We've got League of Gentlemen, faulty towers, and let's say... Well, well actually, I think Red Chris touched on something interesting there. 
He said they probably haven't stood the test of time. If that's true, then that might tell us something about how comedy actually does, in some sense, need to be topical. So because... There's a whole, there's a few sitcoms I can think of in the 70s and 80s that I kind of might, I like to say that I like, but actually if I sit down and watch them, it's, they're just, mm, mm. they just don't do it. A bit like um, the Carry On films, people often profess yeah. to like. Well, this. Up Pompeii was put, the other one I was going to, going to yeah. put put forward. So um, therefore, what makes something timeless? Is that what we're looking for? Well, no, I, I, I think more what has made it, what has stopped something lasting, uh, having uh, okay. passing a test. Uh, Go uh, on then. Uh, uh, well, well I just before he's, uh, he, 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 Nick goes, goes on, I, I was just going to say, I think that um, what we've slightly obsessed on is the setting as opposed to what they're about, right? Which is not necessarily the same thing. What is mm. the, what is the focus of the, what are the folk, yeah, the focus of the jokes, um, which I think we should also touch on. Mm. Okay, so look, which approach, how do we want to attack this? Well, Nick can... Why, why do I like um, Faulty Towers? I would say one of the reasons is actually, well, first of all, the meta, meta level, they did two series and stopped, and that's flipping great. So mm. just, you know, they knew when to end it. I think they they're just making a new one now Milk well, it. Right uh, I bloody hope not. They're, they're, I think, um, I think it's no, John Cleese doing not. it. I no. think it's, yeah. um, they, it'll be bad, uh, it much will. as I love John Cleese. But uh, that that every single one is so perfectly self-contained, which is what you want from a, a sitcom. You know what they call the reset button at the end. Um, but uh, but but also, I think the the um, uh, the it's the timelessness of the characters and their and their relationships to one another is is you know that John Cleese is just this eternal everyman. You know who's struggling with all these relationships. You know he has with with people, and at the same time desperate to 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 raise himself up. You know to to a sort of higher status, and and that's what everything it revolves around every week is. You know his failure to to uh, you know to 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 be successful by his own lights, which I, is it lies under a lot of comedy. I think. Yeah, and also, but then tying into that is that beautiful thing, that kind of magic that happens sometimes, which is the quality of the writing and the quality of the casting, yeah. stroke, the acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so Prunet Scales is just fantastic. Mm. In it. Although um, Connie Wasserf Chops is pretty not great. Um, oh, I love her. I really she's great. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I got a bit lost. So Connie Booth. Connie Booth, there you mm. go. Um, so, sorry, how do we want to address this? So well, why, why is... I agree with Chris that Red Dwarf actually hasn't... And I loved Red Dwarf at the mm. time. Hasn't really stood the test of time. Um, and... But also, interestingly, Friends hasn't, to the extent that, that I think they've had to uh, ban some episodes. Well, not ban, but not show some episodes because they're now a bit controversial. Mm. Um, particularly ones about which are interpreted as body shaming, I think. Oh, really? About mm. the, where they, where they, where part of the comedy is um, one of the characters put on, has put on loads of weight. Oh, so okay. That's judged to be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> not, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that, but, but also, that um, I think Joey's behaviour and his approach to women has been sort of needs to, has been reassessed let's say right um, he's now seen as a misogynist rather than a playboy yeah but also in the context of the whole the me too thing and it's like slightly predatory yeah yeah, yeah. you know um um so no well, look, red dwarf i think it's a bit me it comes over as a bit mean now like i i think we're probably mm. a bit more sympathetic to characters like rimmer mm. and and i i know in the he does develop into a much more sympathetic character but a lot of it is about how we should be uh, you know actually that you know uh, lister is this kind of you know heroic um sort of rebel slob. yeah slob 
and 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 Rimmer is this kind of you know uh, overly officious um, uh, sort of you know fa- rules yeah. fascist. And I, 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 did, I, yeah. I did watch a, a few. I got I went on a, a YouTube rabbit hole sometime like a couple of a year or so ago and ended up watching several bits of Red Dwarf, and I think it did it did still work. But the, there were two bits to the so one bit that worked was the situational um, uh, jokes where they get in a scrape and somehow mm. through their own incompetence manage to get out of it. That was still funny. But as you said, as you as you mentioned, sort of alluded to the the character bits didn't quite mm. work anymore. So yeah, the sort of because the, the, they're the, a bit mean. Well, because they, they were mean, they were mean to Lister. Uh, uh, sorry, they mean they mean to Rimmer. Um, he just he just wasn't as funny as he seemed yeah. back in the day, and but and the sort of the the main joke about Lister is just that he was this slob, um, uh, and st- rather than heroic, he was kind of stupid, um, and that wasn't really funny anymore. And mm. it wasn't funny that Crichton was this sort of over earnest uh, android. They, they, they just so those aspects of, of the character comedy that probably were things that you liked at the time. Mm. For some reason, we've evolved beyond that. And I, I think that's what the point I was trying to make about, you know, we, we it's not the setting, because at the end of the day, you know, there weren't lots of um, uh, sci-fi-based comedies, right? You know, I mean, there were a few, but very few. Mm. Um, and so, so you know, the... That's a setting that didn't fit with anything else. But I think, like, what what is the comedy actually about? And that was about, um, you know, perhaps quite... It had, had perhaps a bunch quite of a, stranded misfits. Uh, stranded misfits, but there was quite a sort of harshness to the, the comedy, perhaps, that we've evolved beyond now, yeah. you know. But the, it, I thought I think the characters thought. and the writing and the acting is just not okay, quite there. Okay, you, you've got concerns about the quality of the production. I don't think that's okay, the on. key yeah, yeah, issue yeah. for me. No, it just a thought, really, and I think it I think it might tie that in with some of the other things and this concept of timelessness, which is that if comedy relies on archetypes, um, they have to exist for us to understand them. Mm. And and uh, so I was just thinking, like, actually, something like On the Buses or Steptoe and Son, mm. um, which involve uh, or Only Fools and Horses, where you have these at what would have at the time been very recognisable characters, the kind of Cockney wide boy of Del Boy or, you know, the working class kind of, you know, boy. It's sort of like someone like the, you know, the younger Steptoe. Um, mm. You know who was who would have been perhaps he went to uh, he went to sc- school till he was sixteen unlike yeah. his dad or whatever you know and that being a thing you recognised and you recognised that there was this sort of striving that he had that his his dad looked down on and Living all in of these characters quite extreme poverty and, and, yeah but 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 you would have pointed <clears throat> at them and gone oh, I've seen that guy yeah. I know them yeah. and you could have a laugh almost with them sort of at them um, but now they're museum pieces those yeah. characters yeah. don't I exist in real life it. to give you a to give you a data points in support uh, amongst military friends um, old old comedies like um, It Ain't Half Hot Man yeah. and The Navy Lark still popular ring true right. because those archetypes do still exist right. because mm. the military is so kind of old fashioned in that sense I yeah. think it we've cr- I think we've cracked it and by we I don't I mean not Nick I mean more it was me who came to that <laughs> um, okay um, look we need to to wind things up um, before we do anything I've got a question but before we do anything to add anybody well 
I think just to then to bring it all back to the sort of potential trends is that perhaps you cannot have a comedy about a, a cla typical, you know, the kind of classic 80s sitcom dad, well-meaning but incompetent, classic 80s sitcom mum, you know, a little bit overbearing but hyper-competent in the home. Um, you know, those things work because they were the parents that the viewers and the writers grew up with. Um you know, comedies were the writers of comedies about offices, you know, in the in the in the 60s and 70s um, probably had met. You think of someone like CJ in um, in uh, the rise and fall of Reginald Perrin, the kind of classic boss with a high seat and a moustache. And he looks down his nose at you. They don't really bosses aren't like that anymore. It wouldn't work. And, and, and I guess like that's that's you need to have recognizable character yeah. types in order for these things to work. They're all like David um, Brent. These yeah, days. well, exactly. That I think David Brent was a, is a perfect example of that. Like he actually he's a very sort of 90s noughties boss, you know, trying to be down there with the troops. And mm. I, I and I, I suspect how to do management from a book. Yeah, yeah, and a weekend course in in uh, in in, 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 in Stains Ibis. or something. Yeah. yeah, and I, but I sort of, and I suppose if you were to project forward, you'd say, well, who are the who are the people now that we, you know, that we um, would recognise? Who are the characters? And it actually, um, you know, offices probably receding, but then you imagine things like you know the kind of tech tech bros that you get in Silicon Valley, for exactly. example. And, you know, or, so so it's it's actually, yeah, it's, it's like I think what it tells you is who are the characters, who are the stock characters of your everyday life yeah. are probably what you find in sitcoms for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, because something, um, um, I don't come into contact with these people every day, but I sort of know that they're out there, which is, if, so for example, in the in um, Rick and Morty, mm. um, the daughter called Summer, I Summer, think. Summer, yeah. yeah. And she's that very kind of, um, um, I always get my generations wrong because she's not millennial, she's whatever the next one she's is. She's a Zoomer. Yeah, she, a what? Yeah. A Zoomer. A Zoomer. Generation Z. Yeah, and the way she speaks. and Summer's, um, Summer's a great character. Though, she is a great character. Because she, she, she's actually super competent trying to be Valley Girl. She's trying to fit in. But the point is, it, it ties yeah. in with this. We know yeah. who that person is, even though because, I'm not surrounded by Valley yeah. Girls. We need to draw a swing. Yeah. <clears throat> no, but it's interesting. It makes me think uh, that actually this is almost a continuation of the Commedia dell'arte of the of the of the you know late medieval period. It's it's like it's like you go stock characters. You've got your Harlequin and your you know um, or uh, pa um, pantaloons and all these kind of characters. Uh, you mm. look, you're tempted to look back and go, um, oh how boring. They were the same bloody characters every year. You know they would show the, the, the mm. you know like in pantomimes. You get the same characters. Mm. Why do people like that? Well, now we look well, back reckon, on the yeah. same uh, sort of phenomena, and, yeah, and in yeah. fact, we, we're still we're still doing it today. Yeah, and Talk it still works. It still works. And talking of characters, it's nothing funnier than Harlequin. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to see comedy that doesn't age, go and you know go and look at the Greek comedies, yeah. or, or even Shakespeare for that matter. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't actually laugh at Shakespeare. I mean, you can try, but um, talking at something, you do. You laugh at very loudly. To yes, show that you understand exactly. what. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's a question for you to round us all off. What's the character with whom you most identify in a comedy? Ideally a sitcom. I know, there, I know it's a trope, but I can't place it uh, that where the trope is that the, the, the main protagonist is kind of the only sane person in the world and everything <laughs> else is weird around him. Uh, well, it's some, some, someone like, uh, yeah, like it Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. Yeah, like well, yes. Davis. Well, I've got a particular worldview and I <laughs> yeah. think everybody else is mad. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, either of you guys? 
I'm well, yeah. Go well, on. I, I I have this suspicion that I'm I'm actually like David Brent. I've always had always <laughs> had a lot of sympathy for him um, as a character. I think he's just a, a you know he's 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 try, he does try his best, and you know uh, I think he's. Um, He's unfairly, unfairly treated, I think, by by the by the writers. He's misunderstood. But, uh, yeah, but it, yeah. Was the he does try hard. He tries. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's and just crap. <laughs> but he's also try. He always tries to be personable, doesn't he? He's yeah, always trying yeah. to relate to people and kind of get on with people. And some people, and a lot of people don't like that. Yeah, and I, I feel as he's being the that. best manager he can. Yeah. Be. yeah. <laughs> um. Chris. Yeah, so I think I would pick um, uh, the actor Mark Heap from uh, Spaced, and also I think he was in Green Wing. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so... I, I, Is he the he, artist? Who he's the artist, and, that's right, yeah. yeah. And very... Um, intense. Th- very intense, but I think there's something just very funny about um, tall, thin people <laughs> men generally tall thin men like the faulty you know um basil yeah. faulty and yeah. the um the rimmer character from from Red, like sort of uptight tall thin men just are it's true amusing. it's a universal stock character and you're uh, of yeah. which you are a good example yeah. yeah yeah i think i'm a mix between basil faulty absurd and preposterous and pompous and just just generally hassled in life but with yeah, with pretensions, um, and half between that and is it Jeremy in Peep Show, <laughs> <laughs> who's a bit of a layabout who thinks he's really creative and special, but is just a bit of a dick. That's a good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump to contradict you. It's a very good, very good. Uh, know thyself. Venn diagram. Mm. Yeah, construct. Okay. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? Okay, right. We'll stop there. Thank you, as always, um, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare, Peter Cockle, and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.